listen to Johnny as he introduced that storybook Bible. I really would encourage adults to take one home. Don't feel like it's too um, elementary for you. And if you really want to bring it back, you can. But I hope you'll take it home. As I listened to him and then he talked about the series, I thought some of you are getting really scared because you remember how long it took us to go through one book, the book of Ephesians. And you think, man, if we're going to go through every, you know, every story in the Bible, uh, I may not be alive by the time you finish. But I, I want you to relax because that's not how we're going to approach it. We're going to do this in a way that you can see the unity of the Bible. Because the Bible is a big book. This particular one I'm holding in my hand may not look that big. But, you know, when you open it up and you see all the words on the page, it's a big book. It's a book of books. It has an amazing unity when we consider how it was written. You see, there's 66 books here inside this book with about 1,200 chapters. I didn't count them, but I, I looked it up, all right? And with that, most of us know that it's arranged Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament with 39 books, basically the time before Jesus was born here on earth. And then 27 books in the New Testament describing the life of Christ, his death, his resurrection, and the birth of the church as we know it today. Forty different human authors. Now, I choose that phrase carefully because we know that there's really only one author of the book, but 40 different human instruments from different backgrounds living over a 1,600-year period. But it's one united story because God is not just the storyteller. He's the author, the creative director of this story. He designed it and wrote it to explain to us salvation history supernaturally inspiring the story by his spirit. Now, when we say inspiration, we mean something is typically in our culture, something is inspiring. You know, it, it makes you excited. It, it gives you life. But when we talk about inspiration of scripture, we're saying that it was God breathed. God somehow used the human instrumentality to breathe his story. And we know from experience that this is a life-giving book, right? Just kind of do your head like this. I mean, it's life-giving. When you begin to see it, when it begins to see you, when it begins to open up our eyes to the handiwork of God, we begin to see how Christ is the key that unlocks this story of God. One single story the story of redemption. You'll notice on the ministry guide this morning, you, you might not have caught it, but the, the S kind of slides off the front, and then you look and see, wow, there's this, there's this thread here that seems to be going. That's, that's intentional. I'm not clever enough to figure that out, but that's intentional as we talked about the story and we explained how there is a scarlet thread of redemption that runs through the scripture. The fall of man in the garden, the throne of heaven at the end of time, the scarlet thread of the Bible. 
a few of you, one or two of you, may be old enough to remember the name W.A. Criswell. Dr. Criswell was the pastor at the First Baptist Church of Dallas for, I don't know, 40 years. They started in the 60s, I believe, having what was called watch night services where the church would come together on New Year's Eve and they would stay together for a period of time to welcome in the new year. One year, Dr. Criswell decided that he was going to preach from about 6 or 7 p.m. until midnight. And he preached what became known as a sermon called The Scarlet Thread Through the Bible. Starting with the fall in the garden, he demonstrated how there was a thread that ran through the entire story all the way to the revelation that explained how the story of God is really one big story. Now, here's our prayer. We're praying that you will be strengthened when you begin to see God's hand at work and you'll see how he put the story together. We're praying that you will be filled with confidence when you realize, in a way, not at, not at the same level of this inspiration, but God is still writing his story. The New Testament says that he is writing it on the tablets of our heart. And we're praying as the Bible begins to make a little more sense to you when you see how this big book fits together, that you'll begin to see how the story of God is God writing his story on your heart. One of the most fun things for me to do is to say to someone, hey, what's your story? And usually people hesitate because they think it's kind of like, how's it going? You know, you don't mean it, right? I mean, when you greet someone and you say, how's it going? You're, you're just really saying hello. But if you stop and say, no, I mean, really, how's it going? Or what's your story? When people begin to try to explain what's been going on in their life, we begin to see how God has put places in their path where he wants to intersect and write his story on their life. So this morning, we're going to take one, well, one chapter, one, one place in Scripture, and I was reminded that sometimes when you're ready to watch a movie, there's, there's a trailer. And I don't know about you, but every now and then we say, okay, We've seen about all of the British whodunits we could find. You know, that's, that's what KK tries to make sure we record. And uh, they go slow enough for me. And uh, so we, we watch the, the old British mysteries, murder mysteries. It's amazing how some of those little towns can have three people killed in an hour and a half. You know, but it's, it's just a little, little mystery. And... If I get ready to watch a movie, though, if we're going to catch it on Netflix or Amazon, Fire Stick, let me give a full, you know, let me put everybody on equal time here. We get ready to watch it. I say, well, let's, let's watch the trailer. So we click on the trailer, and isn't it amazing how the trailer wants to show you? I mean, if it's a comedy, they usually tell you the funniest line right there in the trailer. 
you think, man, this whole thing's going to be funny. And you, you heard the funniest line in the trailer, right? I mean, they're trying to show you the most inspirational, the most intense, the, the sweetest, the funniest moment and making you watch it. It doesn't give away the plot, but you begin to see the plot and remember the trailer. Now, as I was thinking about that as a way to introduce this text this morning, I went and looked to see why they called the trailer the trailer. Now, don't, don't you go looking it up on Wikipedia now, all right? Just give it a minute. Let me, let me tell you what I found. First of all, if you look up trailer, it'll talk about a mobile home. But it, but it also will include the trailer of a movie. And when it talks about the trailer, it said originally, at least this was the best they could speculate, originally they used to show those after the movie to make you think about some coming episodes or coming movies that would happen. And they realized that people had been so wiped out with the movie they wouldn't watch them. So they started putting before the movie you ever try to figure out what time to show up for a movie? You know, it tells you what time it starts. It doesn't start then. I mean, that's, that's what time they're wanting to show you all of those other things that used to be trailers, but now they're at the beginning. So they kept the name. I can't find any other reason why they call it a trailer. They kept the name to show you beforehand how the plot was going to be or how the story was going to inspire you, the plot not, uh, not given away. Now, I want to warn you this morning, spoiler alert. The trailer that we're going to look at this morning in Luke chapter 24 gives away the plot. Okay? I just just want to warn you. As we look at this, we're going to find how the story was intended to unfold. Because Jesus is going to explain it for us. So, let's, let's go to Luke chapter 24. And we're, we're right there at the, at the end of Luke's gospel, and there are actually two different stories that are going to take place. So let me, let me set these up for you. Both of them could, could be a sermon in and of themselves, but I want you to see what they have in common. Luke chapter 24. The Bible says that Jesus has been raised from the dead, and I want us to pick up in verse 13. Before we get to the part that's up on the screen, I want to tell you the story, and then I want to show you. We're going to drop in the story at that verse. But here's how it went. Two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, 2413 of Luke says. It was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, I want you to picture these two guys. It it appears to be two men walking along and... They're talking about what just happened in Jerusalem. They're talking about how Jesus had entered the city a little over a week prior, and everybody was all excited. They thought he was about to really start establishing a a new kingdom here on earth, and how he had been rejected, how he had been crucified, and how for three days they were in such despondency But now it's Sunday. And the ladies had gone to the tomb. And they came back saying that they'd seen an angel and he is alive. So now these two guys are walking from Jerusalem back to their home in Emmaus. And the translation that I'm reading from says they were arguing. Now, 
I've seen the way in the Middle Eastern culture when people communicate, sometimes it sounds like arguing, you know. There was a very intense discussion going on, all right? And they were trying to figure out what happened to Jesus. The scripture says that as they were walking along, Jesus came and started walking with them. And somehow, Dr. Luke records, they were prevented from understanding that Jesus was Jesus. So this third guy starts walking with them, and he says, so what are you talking about? And they looked at him in astonishment. What do you mean what are we talking about? I mean, uh, you're the only person that's been anywhere near Jerusalem the last few days, and you don't know what happened? So they started explaining to Jesus what happened to Jesus. I mean, it's really a little comical in a way when you think about it. So he's walking along, and they say, well, this Jesus of Nazareth, we, we, we knew he was a prophet. We, we thought he was going to set up a new kingdom, and then he, then he was crucified. And to top it all off, we had some ladies go out there today, and they came back, and they told us that when they arrived at the tomb, they didn't find the body, and they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Luke 24, verse 20, 24 says, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but they didn't see him. Now Jesus, walking with them, having heard them tell Jesus what, what happened to Jesus, Jesus speaks up. They, they still don't know it's him. I, I sometimes like the red letter edition. Okay, this is in red, and this is now the first time that Jesus is going to speak up. In verse 25, he says, How foolish are you, and how slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? So Jesus begins to say, Don't you get it? It had to happen this way. The Messiah, Messiah had to suffer to enter his glory. Now notice a couple lines above that. To believe all that the prophets had spoken. Let me ask you, church, who were these prophets? Old Testament or New Testament? Come on, stay with me now. Old Testament prophets. So Jesus begins to explain to them what the Old Testament prophets had spoken. Then verse 27 says, Beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all of the scripture. Now make sure you get this. Jesus said, starting with Moses and moving through the prophets, I want to explain to you what the Bible says about me. He opened up to them the scriptures. One more time, I want to ask you. Did he use the Old Testament or the New Testament scriptures to explain these things? The Old Testament. Because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. All right? So Jesus is with them and he goes back and he says, let me explain to you what Moses said. Now we're going to discover as we 
walk through this story of God that usually when we talk about Moses, we're talking about the Pentateuch, fancy word, five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those five attributed to Moses as the author of being able to be inspired by God to tell the story of God working among, calling to himself a people. So Jesus started with Moses, and he began to explain to them how he was the central character of the Old Testament. That's the first one. A few verses later, the scene changes. Now we're back in the room, verse 36. As they were talking about what had happened, Jesus appeared in their midst. And the scripture says, he greeted them, peace to you, shalom. But they didn't feel shalom. (laughs) I mean, all of a sudden they saw Jesus among them and they were terrified, startled, frightened because they thought they'd seen a ghost. And he said, why are you troubled? Why do the doubts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. That is, you'll tell his eye. This is, touch me. See, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones which you can see that I have. Once he had shown them his hands and his feet, they were amazed. The scripture says he asked them for something to eat. Then he said to them, verse 44, it's really important that you get this. Jesus, meeting with his disciples, been raised from the dead, he says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What did he say? Here's what I want you to get. The law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. So Jesus began to explain to them how he was the central character of the Old Testament. I can't wait till we can talk about the ram at Abraham's altar. Till we can talk about the Passover lamb. For us to talk about how they struck the rock and water came forth. He opened their minds to understand the scripture. Could I get you to pray this prayer with me? I, I want you to pray it every time we gather and open the word. I'd love for you to pray it every time you open the Bible in, in your home. I would love for you to find some quiet place every single day and just whisper this prayer to God. Would you open my mind to understand the scriptures? You know, I've pastored for a few years now. It's really none of your business how many. All right, I've pastored for a few years now, a long time. I've stood at the back door. And greeted people for many, many years. 
And I know the standard thing you say to the preacher. You know, good sermon there, preacher. Thank you. You know, I've heard all those little things. But then sometimes people will say, wow, when you were talking today, God just spoke to my heart and said this. And sometimes I grin and say, well, God must have spoken to your heart because I didn't say that. I had nothing to do with that. But, you know, I know every Sunday, it's probably going to happen this Sunday. Every Sunday, two different kinds of things are going to be said when you leave. Some are going to say, God spoke to me so clearly in a way that I don't think I've ever heard him speak before. And someone's going to say, you know, I think that was a pretty boring sermon. I I didn't get anything out of it. Now, what's the difference? When the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and opens our heart to the Scripture, God's story is intersecting our story in a very majestic way. Anytime we understand the Scripture... God is opening our minds to understand it. Notice what he said next. This is what is written. I ask you again, church, where is it written? In the Old Testament. This is what is written. That the Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, all the ethnos, every tribe, every tongue, every language, every people. That that message would be proclaimed and it was going to start in Jerusalem with that little band of followers who were beginning to see how the story of God made sense. So, why does this matter to me? The Old Testament, beginning in Genesis, have been a good place to begin this series, but you got to wait till next week for that, all right? The Old Testament, beginning in Genesis, the beginnings... What's it pointing to? It's pointing to Christ. In the book of Romans, God's speaking of how he is righteous because Jesus paid the debt of sin. Explains how God could pass over the sins previously committed because he could see the cross. And he understood when Jesus died that God would be just, but he would also be the one who made just those who believed. You see, we're such time creatures, and we have so much trouble understanding that God sees the story from beginning to end. That's why Jesus could explain to them that the Messiah was the central point of the Old Testament. Then we have a little brief span of time we call the New Testament, where Jesus lived, walked, died, 
was raised from the dead. And then the church taking this message, the very message he says here, that repentance and forgiveness of sins, that message would be given to the church. And now we as the people of God, as the body of Christ, are announcing, proclaiming, demonstrating, and declaring that sins can be forgiven because Jesus died on the cross. Freedom can be known because he died for us. And then you move forward to the end of time. Old Testament pointing to the cross. New Testament explaining the cross. Old Testament pointing to Messiah. The New Testament presenting Messiah. And now at the end of time, we read how the scarlet thread comes together. In the Revelation, John is before the throne, and no one was worthy to take the scroll and break its seals. Most who try to understand and interpret the Revelation say that was the beginning of the end of time as we know it. No one was worthy to take the scroll and break its seals. So John began to cry in this vision because there was nobody there that could make this happen. But then he heard a voice that said, Look, there is one worthy to take the scroll and break its seals. Because he purchased for God with his blood those from every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every people. People outside the church look at us and say, why do you guys talk about blood so much? Why is it such a bloody religion? We're going to see as we look back to the garden, the scarlet thread of how the life of the flesh is in the blood and how God required life to be given to give us life through Jesus. We'll see the foreshadowing how does, the, how does the sun hit your house in the morning? For those of you that have been in our home, you know we have that little section with the big glass that looks over the, the front yard. And I can sit there and watch the sun behind the trees and watch it come in as it raises its way up into the sky. And I can watch how the sun cast light and shadows in the yard and through our window. And the Old Testament explaining the story of God talks about the shadows that then came to light. That talks about the foreshadowing of the coming of Christ. And So would you pray with me that God will open our minds to understand the scripture so we can see how the Bible is the story of Messiah and we can understand our lives in the light of Messiah. And I can have confidence in eternity because of the Messiah and I can find power and purpose for earth life now because Jesus died for me. Now, Here's the 
summary of the story of God. From the beginning, the story points to Jesus. Jesus is the key to understanding the story. Uh, I've, I've made a list here of beginnings and patriarchs and promised land and law and tabernacle and kings and kingdoms. And as those things begin to unfold, we begin to see how the story of God is pointing to Jesus. We won't be able to go through every story. As Johnny and I have been trying to map it out, he says, how can you leave that one out? I say, because we're going to be here for years, all right? We can talk about that another time. But if we're going to show the simple unfolding of the story of God, we're going to have to pick one and show you how one of those stories fits into a big category, all of it still pointing to Jesus. So what about us today? Luke 24, verse 48 and 49, speak to us with personal pronouns, all right? First, he says, you are witnesses of these things. Probably you learned in English class that when you see a personal pronoun, you need to understand the antecedent of the pronoun. All right? So let me ask you, who is this you? All right? Well, in this context, the you would be those followers who were standing there before Jesus, and he was explaining to them how all of it fit together, pointing to him. But now today, most of you are in this you because you too are followers of Jesus. And if today you're a follower of Jesus, follower of Jesus listen, you are witnesses of these things. What is a witness? Well, technically, a witness is someone who saw something, heard something. I mean, a, a witness is not a hearsay. Somebody else said a witness has a personal observation with an event or, or a fact that they can testify to. That's what it's come to mean in our courtroom. So let me ask you today in the courtroom of life, are you a witness of these things? Have you understood repentance and forgiveness of sin? Have you understood saying to God, God, I know I've sinned and I need a Savior? Have you understood how at the center point of time God sent His Son because He loved you so much so that you wouldn't have to perish, but through Him you might have everlasting life? You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you, if Johnny stays true to what he normally does, he'll make sure we close the service today by saying, Shalliford, you are sent. As the people of God, we've been called to Jesus and we've been sent 
by Jesus. You are, look, I'm, because you're a witness, I'm sending you. But in this case, he's not sending them out. He's saying, before you go out, wait on what I'm sending you from the Father. What was he talking about? The Holy Spirit, who would come just a few days later. He said, don't you go out there and try to tell people about me on your own. Wait on the indwelling spirit. I don't know if you caught it in singing it earlier. I have a friend, a holy fire within. God has come to dwell in my heart to now make me a witness of these things that Jesus died and was raised from the dead. And he said, I'm sending you what the Father promised. And as for you, And today, you are part of that you. As for you, make sure you've been empowered by what the Father sent from on high. That's the story of God to me and you today. So, one final application. How does my story intersect the story of God? My relationship with Jesus is the key to understanding how my story intersects his story. God doesn't let us just observe with no desire to obey. Remember a few moments ago I said God opened up the scripture. He said that. He opened their minds to understand the scripture. You know what I've discovered? God does not take light in opening up the scriptures just so I can intellectually organize it. But he delights in opening up the scriptures so I can relationally obey it. He wants to show me my story in the context of his story. Remember how his story was laid out? Creation. Fall. Redemption, hey, that's me and you. Creation, God made us fall, we sinned. Redemption, he paid for our sin through Jesus. Restoration, he brings me back to himself. Then the kingdom of God starts making sense. I began to see how I am a kingdom agent deputized to be his representative as I tell my story and how the story of God has set me free. So I have to ask, the old spiritual with a haunting tune and some haunting words. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, it causes me to tremble. To tremble 
to tremble. To see how the very Son of God could be suspended between heaven and earth. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? If you can see yourself there in the story of God, then you will start understanding how your story fits.